In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello, and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and this series is in cooperation with Cinda Virtual, which brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. Now, you can learn more about Cinda under www.cinda.org. Now, we don't only bring you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world, but we also have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the series, let me tell you what the series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations and what that impact is doing for the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, data protection regulations, and leadership issues such as gender balance and business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please listen to us live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you miss us live, don't worry because we're on every major podcast platform from Apple to Google to Spotify. Just put in Leadership Beyond Borders and you will find us all over the web. I also invite invite you to connect with me. Tell me what your thoughts are and what your insights are and what you'd like to hear on the show. And just go to my email, leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now, if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure that you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. And today, we're definitely going to talk about something very useful. You know, the adoption of cloud services has significantly impacted today's leadership as cloud computing has changed how organizations conduct their business operations, communicate, and collaborate. The maturity of an organization to adopt cloud and transformational solutions commonly depends on the leadership style and the full support of the C-level executives, directors, and senior leaders. Adopting cloud computing can accelerate IT monitorization, and business leaders must seriously evaluate the technology that can help them accelerate their required transformation. But it also means that to accomplish this, leaders today must handle, communicate, and manage differently than they have in the past. And today, our guest is an expert in effective organizational leadership within the rapidly moving technology field. Our guest today is Claire Milligan, and she is the CEO of the startup Aimably. And the this startup has a new approach to AWS, Amazon Web Services, cost management guaranteed to delight any accountant. AWS billing creates a blind spot that hurts businesses. AWS costs are typically the second largest line item for a technology business. And AWS's standards, invoices, and developer tools make it sometimes extremely difficult to validate billing or keep spending under control. Now, her software services, Aimably's software services, transform the AWS billing experience. Whether she's helping businesses Businesses transform their cloud spending or hitting the slopes as a ski patroller, which sounds like a lot of fun, Claire. Um, Claire thrives on distilling complex problems down to their core issues and turning these pragmatic findings into groundbreaking solutions. And so, Claire, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Kimberly. So let's let's just kind of talk for a minute, kind of in a global sense. I mean, how has technology really affected the skills and qualities essential for effective leadership today? Well, it's so interesting because you have to have this comfortable a comfortable balance between technology mastery and human level connection and communication. If we rely too much on our mastery of technology, we lose the ability to understand each other on a human level and yeah. to cooperate and coordinate. Uh, but at the same time, we must understand all the technologies that are in place because we don't want to be uh, 
having a lack of understanding of what's going on in the teams underneath us. What happens when teams start to manage and control and be the owners of a certain set of technologies that are not understood beyond those teams is it kind of develops a turf war or fiefdoms almost. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's so important and so critical to adapt a level of understanding of any critical tools that are being used in departments that you coordinate with. Yeah. So, so I mean, how? Let, let's talk about that part. Okay, the tech, te, the technological mastery. Okay. Um, yeah. How much do leaders need to know? I mean, how strong must their um, understanding? I guess this depends on the position, of course, of data Atlantics and digital tools um, when they're when they're leading the teams. Well, when you're talking about data analytics and digital tools, you really we're really talking about statistics, and mm-hmm. you know. You, you don't get anywhere unless you have a real good sense of what's what are the underpinnings of statistics. So hopefully, once you've reached a certain level of leadership, you, you can you can apply that knowledge that you have from other places and other experiences into this application in the technology world. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think it's a question of necessarily retraining as technologies evolve. I think it's a question of learning from those who are using and making sure you're part of the conversation. My favorite thing to say is tell me more. So there's a challenge and it's because of this server doing this thing. And, you know, my degree is not in uh, software architecture or software engineering, uh, but I know enough to make me lethal and I'll ask for more information for why it's important and why is a challenge and what questions have you asked yourself to attempt to solve it? And then you just kind of think about the creativity of, presenting alternative perspectives to help people move forward. So mm-hmm. I think it's, yeah, it's a question of comfort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what? You just said something that I had to laugh because I know sometimes when I talk to some of the technology people I live with, I'm like, slow down. Okay. Now tell me this in like normal human stuff. Yes. You know, explanation. You know? Yes. <laughs> Can you we take these e buzzwords out of here for a minute and tell me what's going on and why we need to fix it. You know. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, on top of that, it, uh, too often technology jargon stops conversations more often than it starts them. So the yeah. leader, the effective leader, has to do exactly what you're talking about. Like, say that to me in another way. Explain it to me more, and just have the confidence to do that. Yeah, and, and I and I think that's sometimes that that's an interesting point you just made. Have the confidence to do it because um, we're going to try to talk about a little bit what what leadership, you know, uh, from the soft skills what they need. But but um, a, a lot of leaders they, you know, I I'm not technology, but I know enough also to be a little bit dangerous, and um, and and you know I, I think a lot of leaders think that. They they have to know as much as their technicians, but that's not necess- That's not true, is it? Or they no? Have to I mean, know- I, yeah. You, I, are you out there to try to undermine the people who work for you because you yeah. know more than them? I mean, I don't think we should be. Yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right. So, what about? I mean, what about the old-fashioned leader skills, leadership skills? Okay, um, you know, um, uh, the the soft leadership skills. Okay, you said the tech mastery with the human, uh, and. You see, you know, you see a lot of leaders, you know, you see a lot of promotions being promoted because um, of their their skill level and lacking human level. Um, what do you see with the companies you work with and and how do you ensure that, you know, these leaders do have these kind of what I called old-fashioned soft skill sets, you know, empathy, um, understanding, stuff like that. I just think those soft skills are the most important. I, you know, I agree. You see a lot of people promoted to a level where their technology mastery gets them there, but then there becomes this break-off point. You know, in our customers, oftentimes they come to us because there's this huge rift between the technology organization and the finance organization. The company is supposed to be operating in a certain way. The finances are supposed to be looking a certain way. And yet technology is spending far, far more. We're not explaining what their purpose of their spend is well enough Mm -hmm. for finance to be able to manage it. And it becomes this weird conversation. I mean, we talk about, you know, who's the guy that's running the bill and, you know, does he let anybody else have access? And what does he say about this? And I'm sorry that I'm using gendered terms, but it's often yeah. that way. Um, 
And I just feel that those fiefdoms, as I said before, are built off of a sense that only I know this and I have the technology mastery. And if Mm -hmm. we can do more to bring in soft skills and education into technical groups, especially along the lines of where is the company headed and why are they headed that way? You know, it's equally the responsibility of the operational teams as it is the technology teams to take on that next level of career step and really to learn how to communicate why things are happening and then to work together to rectify it in the better direction for everybody. Yeah, I mean that that what you just said was quite interesting because um, I, I've seen that I've seen especially between tech and finance. I mean sometimes you think of it as like sales and marketing, but tech and finance they really have kind of that brick wall there sometimes. Yes, um, they really you know, do. <laughs> they really do. You know, and it's kind of like you know you get in you get in an invoice or a finance gets an invoice for like some huge amount, and they say, well what are these guys doing? Are they just going out buying technology or buying developers or whatever? Okay. Um, And you're right. It's kind of up to the technology people also to kind of explain what's going on and the finance people to listen, or is it? Well, sure. Partially, but then I, you know, think about it in terms of incentives in this way. An engineer, especially one who's responsible for the cloud infrastructure is accountable for it to be running all the time and mm-hmm. without any issues. And right. if it's running all the time without any issues, they're going to be woken up in the middle of the night to solve that, right? Mm-hmm. So sure. they are incentivized to spend an incredible amount of money making sure that that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's their own livelihood and their own quality of life. So yeah. it's a challenge to really work together as um, a finance leader to then reach across the aisle and say, hey, look, I'm not trying to have you stay up in the middle of the night patching this thing together with mm-hmm. band-aids and toothpicks. What I am asking is, is there another way that we can look at this problem? Can we bring in outside help? Can we address this in a different way? And it's up to the technology team to be open to that conversation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and just staying with the cloud services, because you specialize in um, AWS, is that are those problems or challenges different than other technology issues within the company? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I think that all technology issues, wherever they're managed, become a challenge because of that kind of fiefdom thing I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but in particular, the cloud services of AWS, and we also work with Google Cloud and Microsoft Azure. But the mm-hmm. challenges with them is that they've transformed what used to be an asset-heavy, capital-intensive um, function, which would be buying servers and putting them in data centers. And they've transformed that into what we now think of as a utility. So every second, every minute, every hour of using a virtual system offered by one of these three is then billed at a specific hourly rate. Mm-hmm. And so it's a lot like leaving the, uh, the water metering system or even maybe renting a car versus owning a car. And so the need to take a a sharp magnifying lens to a lot of the detailed line items to really understand whether or not you're taking advantage of it um, is a much more challenging experience uh, than others that are just kind of license-based, seat-based contracts. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you can think, you know, 15, 20 years ago, this this asset, really asset-heavy capital, and and now... um, in this utility. And I want to come back to that. Um, we're, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I, I want to, I want to talk a little bit more about that and what's so special about that. But I also want to talk about, you know, as you start managing these teams um, and start understanding teams, you know, what, what are some of the challenges you, you, you face such as decision-making um, conflict, those kind of things that, that happen within the teams. So we'll ch- we'll ch- touch on that when we get back. And for our listeners, our guest today is Claire Milligan, and she is a CEO of AIM Ably. And the, she, this company does a new approach to AWS, which we we're just talking about, Amazon um, Web Services, as well as Microsoft and Google Cloud. And uh, she helps 
companies try to understand this and spend smarter and more dramatically reducing their cloud costs. And whether she's helping businesses or transferring their cloud spending or hitting the slopes, she is also a ski patroller. I'm going to come back to that and ask about that, Claire. So, okay, because that sounds like fun. Uh, So if you'd like to reach out to Claire and her company, you can go to her website, www.aimably, and that's A-I-M-A-B-L-Y dot com. And you can go to Claire has her own website also, Claire Milligan. And that's uh, Milligan with an A-N. And she's also on LinkedIn under Claire Milligan and on LinkedIn under Aim of Lee and also on Twitter under Claire Designs. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. And they hold virtual pieces of training, conferences, do market research, legislative white papers, focus on digital. And they also have a platform for founders and startups that is free and it takes a founder and a startup from idea conception to exit and helps them through the funding process and it's free to entrepreneurs and startups and you can find that under www.cinda.org under Cinda for Startups and you can learn about Cinda and their conferences, their next conferences on in Berlin, Germany uh, May 12th to 15th uh, this year and you can learn about that. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Tune in each week for the Labenthal Report with hosts Dominic Tavella and Michael Hartzman. The Labenthal Report keeps you in tune with market conditions, investment opportunities, and outlooks based on the stories and headlines to keep you in touch with your financial success. Are you picking the right financial path? Find out by listening to The Labenthal Report live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. In the cacophony of modern leadership, where uncertainties loom large and the pace of change is relentless, the need for conscious leadership has never been more crucial. Let's embark on a journey to explore the essence of conscious leadership, unraveling the threads that weave resilience and empathy into the fabric of influential leaders. Tune in to Conscious Leadership Conversations with Claudia Ferryman, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking with Claire Milligan, and she is the CEO of the startup Aimably. And she, her startup deals with cloud services, um, AWS services, Microsoft, Google, and tries to help companies grow by spending smarter, more dramatically, reducing their cloud costs, as well as working with their teams and helping the teams work better together. So we're talking, we're talking today about the leadership side of right now in this seg- segment, the leader bitch side of. Um, helping companies with this. And and Claire, before the break, we're kind of talking about that, um, those silos of tech finance um, and how, you know, this whole cloud service has changed, you know, from asset heavy capital to the clouds. And um, I want to ask a question. So this technology tra- change has also altered the way leaders make decisions and strategize for their organizations or teams. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so it's it's an interesting question because it, it the technology of evolution offers a huge influx of data um, that can derail you or put you exactly on the right track. It all depends on how you synthesize it. I think we're only getting to the next 
phase of being able to make great leadership decisions on the basis of data as we start embracing AI in our operations a little bit more. I like to use an example from my previous company where I was leading product management for an international team on a lot of different product lines. And we would take a synthesis of data feeds in from the sales department and from the customer success department, the products themselves, and we would synthesize those into financial models of whether or not we should build feature A or feature B. Um, and a lot of it was a lot of heavy, it was heavy work, you know? And yeah. so it, it starts creating more work uh, before it starts slowing it down. Um, but I do think that with the evolution of AI, that project and that approach that we took could have gone a lot faster and the, the trends would have uh, come to light a lot, a lot quicker. So I think, I think we're only on the edge of what's going to happen next when it comes to technology and decision making. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think about still there is a lot of heavy data out there, even though AI is helping. Um, so, you know, even if you're still working in, a, in an environment where you're curate, curating data to, to make decisions, how, how can you curate a decision-making framework that kind of leaves, doesn't leave a lot of room for misalignment? Hmm. Well, I think you have to start with where you're aligned, right? You know, it, mm -hmm. the data can take you a lot of different ways, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the direction the company is going. Um, it, there's, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a big fan of the table group and a lot of books that come from Patrick Lencioni, especially the advantage. Mm -hmm. and he, one of the, the chapters he has there are create clarity, communicate clarity, and reinforce clarity. It's all about clarity. Uh, and so it, it, once you figure out where you're going, like what it, what is the company headed towards and why, and then make sure that absolutely everyone sees, hears, understands, repeats, knows all of those core decisions decision-making platforms. So we are going to own this market. We are going to do it with our, you know, empathy, whatever it is that we're going to, you know, say. Mm -hmm. we're gonna then it comes back to, okay, we're seeing all this data and it could lead us this direction or it could lead us that direction. And now we have the framework against which to solve it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it, it, a company just being directed by its data can get adrift really fast. Yeah, I'm a Lancioni fan too, and so I get, I get the communication pyramids, okay. Um, but but I mean, even even in the communication pyramids, especially when you're you you're working with data, okay, and you're working with data, and you're working with humans, okay. Now, mm -hmm. data data is pretty black white, but sometimes how it's interpreted is not black white, okay. Um, so how you know how do you avoid conflicts when you're go, going forward in this decision making and do you I don't work with data that much anymore um, but how and you work with it all the time how do you uh, try to avoid those conflicts so that you always know that you're all on the same team and the same route and going the same direction well I think that when you come back to that pyramid you have to realize that conflict is a good thing you know how right. yeah very good thing. Uh, it's just how we deal with it and how we support it moving forward. I, I, you know, I think every conflict is a basis of making decisions off of the back of assumptions that are coming from some sort of shared knowledge pool. And so you got to get down to that knowledge pool and make sure we're all on the same page about what data sources do we have? What do they communicate just on the factual basis? How do those align with our operational goals? And then move to the next step of, okay, you've assumed that that means this, and I've assumed that that means this. How can we come together and make a kind of shared set of understanding and knowledge on that second tier? And then those decisions from there will become much more obvious. You know, they talk a lot about how you have to be heard and then acknowledged, and then maybe your decision or opinion isn't taken. But, uh, you know, I, I think it does a step further. You have to have a shared understanding that you really agree on about what the data means and how it reflects back on where we're going. Because then it's not just a, I've been heard, but I was wrong in somebody else's view, but rather I've been heard and we're now sharing a lot of the same values. And I'm going to be okay if it's a slightly different interpretation. Mm -hmm. And that has to go from the leadership, too. I mean, yes. uh, that, yeah, let's talk about that a little bit, because, I, I mean, we've see, we're seeing some characteristics on the human side of leadership and technology. And if you look back 10 years, even even five, 10 years, you know, the, the, the leader was always right. And now you're kind of, if you work in the teams, like we're talking about teams now, then mm -hmm. what 
what kind of characteristics does that leader have to have? You know, a flexibility, listening, um, you know, to their team. I mean, do you have uh, have you have a lot of experience in running these teams? Do you have some good examples or bad examples? What happens? Sure. Yeah. Well, I. I hmm. It's interesting you say that that we're going towards the team model because certainly as um, as a business community and as thought leadership we are we are going in that direction and certainly like team of teams is a really really formative book and the agile model and all of that but at the same time in the industry we are also still seeing these kind of rock star superhero leaders that mm. make the really nitty gritty decisions and while they may be successful it's it's not a model to be replicating so you know there there's certainly like a lot of a lot of reasons to emphasize the team aspect in light of, <laughs> of these these big names in the industry um, but to go to go back to your specific question I am a very strong believer in understanding oneself and making sure everyone on your team also does. I saw that you're an expert in Myers-Briggs. That's one of my mm -hmm. favorite go-tos. Mm -hmm. I also love the Clifton Strengths Finder approach. Um, but I find that those leaders who prescribe how to do something are becoming more and more adrift uh, mm -hmm. as the generations kind of shift and the evolution of how Gen Z and my millennials have been educated in a very independent thought way. Uh, so I think it's important, very much, very important to master not only yourself, your own authenticity, but then to strive to understand the unique traits of the people who work for you, set very clear objective goals and allow the flexibility of how they get there. And then your job is really more as a coach to kind of connect and help them break through the barriers that they're challenged with based on understanding how they are uniquely different and why. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I really like what you just described because you're right. Um, I, I would like to think we're, we're, we're going towards a more cooperative um, environment in most organizations, but you're right, they're still um, quite hierarchical and it's quite cultural, cultural also. Mm -hmm. um, I live in Germany, it's a little more hierarchical than it might be in Silicon Valley or, you know, um, but, you know, heading towards that teams, okay, and you're working with a lot of teams. Um, let's talk about the team members themselves because everybody operates differently. Um, they're motivated by different processes, incentives, outcomes, and um, you've learned over the years that a business will go much further for leaders understand these individual motivations. So as a leader, how how granular do I have to get? I mean, do I do I have to know that that Kim is, uh, you know, um, a, a little bit overorganized? Um, um, I wouldn't say obs obsessive compulsive, but close. You know? <laughs> I mean, and then I know that, and then I know that you know somebody else is is more in the creative cloud. How granular do you have to really understand your people to be able to to move them in the right direction? Well, I think the ideal team size is probably no more than seven for yeah. the reason of needing to understand people who work for you. I think the critical point is not necessarily to point out those differences as negatives, but rather differences as strengths. So if sure. Kimberly is the person who's over-organized, maybe she needs to be the one to start thinking about what more organization we can bring to the technology pieces we're using because they're feeling a little disconnected and not working together for instance, right? So, you know, I said Myers-Briggs and Clifton Strengths right. before, and so I really lean into those. But when I think about giving growth feedback, I always try to make that tied in with how you might leverage your strengths to get there. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I have this one particular story of somebody who worked for me who was just taking so long to get things done. And it was because she was such a perfectionist. And, um, and finally I was, I, I realized, you know, this is a problem. And I realized that if, in framing time as a, an element of evaluation of work, towards a perfection metric, we were able to get to a point where she understood that that was just as important as whether or not the sentence was written correctly and we got to a much better place. Um, but I do think, like, look, even as a CEO, when you're working with other people in C-suite, it's they look to you for how they can do better and how they can excel because everyone wants that kind of recognition, accomplishment, accountability. 
And you only get the people pushing back saying, please don't be in my business when you're doing a bad job of it. So, I, I, you know, the more we can coach people individually, leveraging strengths that they have, even though they might have downfalls as sides of those strengths, um, I really do think you need to get in and get involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and you're right. Actually, I think that person's on my team. Sorry. Um <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no, I, I just just to go, I, I want to come to the feedback. Okay, mm-hmm. so so you as a CEO, um, and I'm thinking about Gen Z now. Um, uh, how how has this whole evolution changed how you provide feedback and mentor your people? You just said you do it individually. I, I liked I like that uh, perfection time thing. That's a super example. I'm actually leaving this podcast with that, and I'm going to try it. So um, um, let me know how it goes. <laughs> have you done anything else? You know, like uh, from uh, from your own style and on providing feedback that 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 has evolved because of this changing environment. You know, I think the thing that's been the most impactful in how we give feedback has been uh, the distance component that's been added to our work, both by COVID and by international business relationships. Um, Mm -hmm. When you're on Zoom (laughs) or Skype or what have you, you really struggle to understand the full context of what's going on with somebody, whether or not they work for you or they're your client. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that it's a lot about asking more questions before you make any statements or pushback because there's so much more to learn than you might see. When you're sharing an office space, you know far more about what's going on and you can kind of jump in and say, hey, I really think you should look at it this way. But rather, I think you start with, you know, tell me more or, you know, I noticed this, what was happening for you that day. And it gets to be a little bit therapy-like in a way, you know, yeah, I, I yeah. have to say, but at the same time, if we sit there making assumptions about what's going on in people's lives with absolutely no information, we become totally ineffective. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's not just, Claire, I think it's, um, I, I don't know how many international companies do. It's not just, it's not just the distance, but it's also the, the cultural. I mean, yes. I, I, I sit on the board and we have 12 nationalities. Okay. And sometimes it's really interesting. I can't imar- imagine how they do it at the UN. Okay. You know, but, um, <laughs> it's, you know, um, I think, I think leaders, they have to have not just that, that sensitivity to, to the individual, but also cultural sensitivity. Yes, I totally agree. And I I think, you know, every, everything from uh, what's a normal mannerism for communicating agreement or disagreement um, that you really have to know. Yes. Um, Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. No. So, well, we're going to, we're going to take a short break again and when we come back, I really want to, I want to talk a little bit about um, what you're doing. Okay, with the cloud services, and then I want to kind of just ask you a couple personal questions. If if you don't have anything against that on your leadership style, let's that's do okay. it. Okay, all right. So for our listeners, we are going to take a break, and our guest today is Claire Milligan, and she is the CEO of the startup Amably. And uh, this uh, company has a new approach to cloud services, um, whether it's AWS or Google or Microsoft on cost management guaranteed to to help accountants and delight accountants. And she play, you know, she is also has a very uh, interesting personal life as a ski patroller, which I want to ask about. And she's been working in marketing UX leadership roles at tech companies like Tally and Spring Ahead and constructed a diverse yet set of skills built upon hands-on expertise. Now, if you'd like to reach out to her, you can go to www amably.com. She also has her own website, clairemilligan.com. She is also on Claire Milligan on LinkedIn, and that's Milligan with A-N, okay? And she is on Twitter with Claire Designs. And this broadcast is brought to you by Cinda, and Cinda is one of Europe's fastest-growing digital nonprofit organizations with over uh, 200 members in uh, 40 countries, and they have a website, www.cinda.org. 
And they also have an e-learning platform for startups and entrepreneurs that is free. You just have to go to www.cinta.org under Center for Startups and log in. Their next conference will be held in May, May 12th to 15th in Berlin. And you can sign up for that on www.cinta.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Tune in to the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates radio program to discover exactly what to consider with your money now in light of the current economic and investing environment. Host Dennis Tubergen, a four-time best-selling author and consultant to the financial industry, analyzes the current investing climate and interviews some of the brightest minds on the planet in the fields of investing, economics, and finance. Weekly episodes of the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates radio program available at 12 p.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Business Channel. Tune in for And Security for All, hosted by Kim Hakem. Each week, we look into a different aspect of cybersecurity, which is important to know for anyone who is involved with the Internet daily, which is probably all of us. We take the technical jargon and make it easier to understand while helping you to identify weaknesses and issues in your own cybersecurity and fix them now. And Security for All is broadcast live every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And our guest today is Claire Milligan, and she is the CEO of the startup Amably. And um, Amably deals with uh, cloud services, um, AWS services, Microsoft, Google, and tries to help business spend smarter and dramatically reduce their cloud costs. And um, she's also a ski patroller. And she has um, a lot of experience in marketing UX, leadership roles in tech companies like Tally and Spring Ahead. So, Claire, I, I want to hear, you know, we've been talking about kind of the general leadership, which are great insights from you as a CEO. But before we go, I want to talk about you a little bit more, but I want to hear about the business. So tell me exactly what you're doing with um, Amably and how you're helping companies with this reducing cloud and understanding what to do. Sure. Well, our target market really is growing technology companies that are under private equity ownership because when Mm -hmm. private equity comes in, it's a time of major transformation of the business. You might be bringing in new product lines. You might be retiring old ones. You might need to get to profitability quickly. There's a whole lot of decision making Mm -hmm. that happens fast and is needed. So we come in from a financial lens on the technology side, and we help the technology leaders understand exactly why they're spending what they're spending on their cloud services for which product lines and which departments. And then we also help them remodel the exact same performance and the exact same capability that they need for a lot less money um, based on triangulating their usage metrics, their utilization, their pricing models and uh, their underlying business requirements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, that is important, especially when private equity, I worked for private equity for quite a few years. So uh, they come in and they want they want to see changes. So, I mean, when you go into a company, uh, it always amazes me sometimes. And, and I've had to, to do with companies for other reasons, not going in and fixing their cloud. But it's kind of like this, this gray box, Okay, you know, I mean, nobody kind of knows. I mean, everybody knows, but nobody knows. I mean, um, I mean, how do you approach it? Well, it's really hard when it comes to the technology piece because of what I was talking about earlier in the sense that, you know, if we get this wrong, we're causing people to wake up in the middle of the night. Right. 
So we do a lot of intake in terms of business business requirements and and questionnaires and such. But you know, you really have to read between the lines, and you can find out where there's issues between individuals and where there's misunderstandings. And so, uh, you know, on the one side, we take a lot of data and we use that data to model answers. And on the mm-hmm. other side, we have to work through understanding the really soft points of. Uh, functioning in the government, the, sorry, not the government, in the operations of the business to make sure that these kind of findings that we have can actually breed results. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, it's not just we're not telling people, hey, look, this is what you can do and goodbye, but rather, here's what you can do and here's all the information you need to make this not a scary undertaking. And it's also our job to hear all of their feedback and their concerns about it to address that. So there becomes this really interesting back and forth um, and really kind of being a little bit of a therapist to understand why people have been locked in before, why they have this operational inertia, and to help them understand that under private equity ownership, you can kind of cast away those chains of inertia and question everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it can be really interesting as we go into that gray box, and we certainly stumble on landmines as we go. But the expectation is that, you know, we have a lot of understanding about how businesses change during private equity ownership. And a lot of these folks, this is their first time. So we seek to be a resource and help them understand how they can start questioning a lot of things. Yeah. And and change, change I mean, uh, I, 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 I like you, you're working with the private equity and probably term, but sometimes these the companies are taken over by private equity or legacy companies. Um that might need to change. I mean, do you do you uh, sometimes experience the no, we've done that, no, it won't help type objections or challenges when you go into these companies, even if they know that they have to become more profitable and they have to do something different and they have to change? Um, are there sometimes roadblocks put up? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I have said this uh, before in other conversations, but every single customer we come to, they say, we've already optimized. Don't worry, we took care of it. We've done a great job. And we say, great, that's wonderful, because certainly I would love for people to be able to have done that. Um, And if they hadn't, I'd be a little questioning as to why. Mm -hmm. But there's a big difference between I am, my primary job is over here, and I've taken a quick look over there, and I've tried to do my best, and bringing in experts like us. So you know, great, I'm glad, wonderful, and now let's help you do it even more. And that's where a lot of the pushback comes because they don't want to look as if they have failed or they're not worthy of their job. Because that's another thing with private equity ownership. Sometimes there's turnover. And so people become really defensive of their specialties. Yeah, okay. I I, I can see that now. I just had to ask that question because I've witnessed it a few times. (laughs) Um, But let's go back to you for a minute, okay? So so you're in there running a team. And um, I was reading your bio. In your bio, you said um, about your leadership style, you said you have... uh, ADHD, but you're not afraid to say that when you bounce around from one thing to the next and you see it as an advantage. So can we talk about that a little bit? Um, Okay. Tell, Tell me about this. So fundamentally, ADHD is a dopamine processing challenge, meaning that we process dopamine a lot faster. Um, what does that mean? It means what you think about, how you think about it and the morality surrounding it. For some people, that means a lot of heavy movement and activity. For me, it's a lot more manifesting as distractedness when I've decided to move on quickly. Um, so what the, the, the disadvantage is that we have to create incentives to keep us focused on a structured um, set of priorities. So checklists feel really great. You kind of have to give these, build these reward mechanisms in. Um, But on the advantage side, it's the amount of focus and the amount of handling of a really overwhelming set of information that can drive people with ADHD to really perform because we can process that high level of dopamine and consume it really easily. So I find that, you know, jumping into a really complex client situation really drives me and, and creates a really good successful experience for both of us. Um, but then on the other side is to, in order to be successful as somebody with ADHD, you also need people working with you that are the exact opposite that can ground <laughs> you and, um, and really give a lot more perspective of a methodical and even keeled approach to work. 
And I, I, when I, when I, when I think of uh, the people, I, I know a couple with, well, probably I, I don't know, but probably ADHD. But I, I think of adaptability, uh, which is really high. Okay, um, uh, does that go hand in hand with with uh, somebody who's managing or has a leadership style with that? Um, you know, can adapt to different situations quite quickly. I think so. And I think especially when those situations might appear overwhelming to others. Um, uh, I think the areas where people with ADHD struggle is when there are no external incentives or they have to create something from scratch. Sometimes the adaptability is limited in those cases. Um, but especially with a, like, a high level of intake and input from the outside, ADHD people really, really shine. Mm. And I mean, the reason I say this, because I think adaptability, I mean, is also a extremely important leadership quality in today's rapidly changing technology field. So that means, I mean, you don't have to have ADHD to have to be adaptable, but you can be it without it. But I mean, what do you think about as far as adaptability as, as a quality that we need to see in leaders today in technology? I completely agree with that. I think that uh, you can't be adhering to a set of mastered skills, skills on a set of technology as a definition for where you fit in your career, because those technologies will go out of out of style very quickly and you have to readapt and, and move on. Uh, some of the best CTOs now are the CTOs who are running data centers before and those data centers aren't around anymore. Um, mm-hmm. But yet they've continued through and evolved and grown. But I also think that, you know, what technology brings us is the opportunity for people to adapt even farther, pull themselves out of pigeonholes and transform their careers at any stage. Um, and so the more that you have that, the, the more options you have open to you, no matter how far along you are in your career. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. We're getting towards the end. So I have, I have, I have the question that everybody asks. Okay. So it's kind of a boring question, but I need to ask it every time. Where do you see AI taking us? AI is only as good as it's prompt. I think, you know, mm-hmm. it's, and it's model. And so AI, I, I'm not the first to say this, but I think of AI as the calculator that, uh, you mm-hmm. know, we had math teachers really concerned about students learning math. And then the calculator really empowered us to go a lot farther in our understanding. And I think that's the same thing with AI. Um, I, but I also think that it's important to think about every industry from a larger economic standpoint. And I think that the technology industry itself is in this early stage of pre-industrialization. Even though we have these major businesses behind us, we still have extremely specialized engineers hand coding everything that goes into running every piece of software uh, that is offered by all these businesses. And, you know, that could be likened to the Porsche factory before Henry Ford decided to set up his production line or even, you know, the Couturiers in Paris versus H&M. You think about how technology needs to get to that point where it can be repeatedly developed and value engineered. And I think that Mm -hmm. AI will really help us get there. Mm -hmm. And just quick one last AI, AI and biases, any comment on that? So many of them. (laughs) I know. Well, it's probably another show. (laughs) We're going to do another 50 minutes on that. uh, Yeah. I, you know, I really think that it's a challenge. Uh, It it has to operate based on the information it's given. Humans are deeply biased. It shows us our biases back and maybe that can be a point for us to take off from and learn and become better people. Yeah, good. Okay, so we're kind of at the end, and I just, um, great discussion. Um, quick question, personal, skiing, you love it? Yeah. You're teaching? Love. And where, where <laughs> do you teach? Well, so I, I patrol, which is really our medical and, and hill management and hill safety. I do it at a mountain called Alpine Meadows, which is part of Palisades Tahoe and Lake, Lake Tahoe. Um, and I've been doing it for 17 years, and wow. uh, on a volunteer basis, I, I love it. Um skiing ski safety patient care it's really important to me and it's fantastic for my brain because there's always something there's always a job to be doing a new um a patient that has a new situation that i haven't seen before and it's it's really fun to adapt and and uh discover and and solve problems as they come 
Well, as a great ski fan, then I admire you and those ski patrol people. Everybody out there is always so important. So thank you for doing that job. Um, and yeah, and one last one last closing sentence to our audience, if you have one, you know, one last message that you as Claire would like to give out um, on technology, on yourself, on leadership, whatever. Sure. I think technology is a scary word and a scary subject to many, but it only magnifies and accelerates the underlying truth of your organization. When you really get down to solving those problems, it's they're the basics. It's finance, it's people, um, it's markets, it's customers, uh, and technologies are the tools to get us to a better place, but they are not the, the be-all, end-all. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Uh, it's been great talking to you. And for our listeners, we've been talking to Claire Milligan, and she's the CEO of Amably. And uh, Amably works, we heard her talk about working with companies to help optimize their cloud services, especially startups and companies that have been taken over by uh, private equity. And uh, AOS, uh, their company creates billing as a blind spot. Sometimes billing can be a blind spot and hurts businesses. So they try to help these companies understand what and how they can optimize. And she's also, as you heard, a ski patroller um, that thrives on distilling complex problems down to core issues and turning these pragmatic findings into groundbreaking solutions. And her career journey spans marketing UX, leadership roles at tech companies such as Tally and Spring Ahead. And so you want to reach out to her. You can reach out to um, the company at amably.com, and that's www.amably.com. And Claire has her own website, and that's Claire, C-L-A-I-R-E, M-I-L-L-I-G-A-N.com, Claire Milligan. And Claire is also on LinkedIn, and Amably is also on uh, LinkedIn, and she's on Twitter under Claire Designs. And this broadcast has been brought to you by Cinda, and Cinda is one of Europe's fastest-growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. They hold virtual trainings, conferences, do market research, a lot of legislative white papers in Europe specifically um, on digital, and they also have an online learning series and a startup series, and their next conference is May 12th to 15th in Berlin, Germany, and they also have a fantastic platform for startups. And this platform is for free. If you're an entrepreneur or startup, you can log on for no cost. And the platform will take you from idea to exit and will help you with the certain steps along the startup journey uh, all the way till funding. So please go to www.cinda.org and check that out and log in for free. And with that, thank you so much for listening. Again, Claire, thank you so much. Okay, really thank you. And um, uh, we, you can turn in, tune, all our listeners can tune in to us next week at 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you miss us, don't forget we're on every podcast channel. And with that, thank you and tune in next week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.